Hi, good morning everybody and welcome to Start the Week with Lorna and Lottie, uh, the place where we talk all things culture, communications, coaching and leadership. Um, This is actually episode 13 and Lorna, I realised that rather ironically last week I (laughs) mislabeled episode 12 by calling it episode 11 which was ironic given that we were we were talking about trust so there was I there was I broadcasting fake news last week um, and I do like to get and I do like things to be right and proper and so just for the record last week was episode 12 and this week is episode 13 how are you I am good and also I'm a little bit nervous about the topic that um, hands up, I chose this week, but having some um, some last minute collie wobbles, I think. Collie wobbles, that's a word I've not Collie wobbles, all right, Victoriana. Victoriana. Victoriana Beckham. I will go with Victoriana Beckham. That's an interesting. Anyway, let's not go off on that tangent. No. So, yeah, this week, Lorna's had to do a bit of a, a hard sell on me um, to persuade mm. me to talk about a topic that I really wasn't all that keen to talk about. Um, I thought it was too controversial. Um, it produced in me some quite uncomfortable feelings and some reflections on some experiences that I have had. But in the spirit of our values Lorna which are courage compassion and creativity Um, I want to practice what we preach we encourage our clients to lean in name the elephants have difficult conversations and so I'm going to go with this one and um, see where it takes us because today we are going to be um, talking about the issue of sexual harassment um, in the workplace you know why we're still talking about it in 2024 why it's still making the headlines um, and um, yeah, let's let's do this. Well, thank you for putting your trust in me to pick up on last week's theme. I know that it does take a bit of a leap of faith for us to d- dive into this. And I completely understand why you're reluctant. You know, I'm reluctant. I think talking about this topic brings big emotions up in people sometimes. It can make some people angry or we can be worried that we're going to make some people angry, whether that's true or not. And you know what, you're right. We have been talking about it for some time. Why are we still talking about it in 2024? But it isn't going away. You know, and this topic is the right thing for us to be getting into when we talk about leadership, culture, change, communications, big topics around organisations and what makes them thrive, because it has and is having an impact on everything to do with with an organization the availability of talent the reputation of your business the cost of hiring and retaining people your legal obligations the cost of your legal team the overall performance of your people the fabric of your culture and actually the service that you give your customers um so i do think it warrants a discussion so shall we buckle up yeah let's do that and you know there's still so much in the news about it there's still so many headlines that talks about sexual harassment in the workplace in particular, mm-hmm. um, you know, there, there's some kind of recent data. One in three female surgeons have experienced sexual harassment. There's a recent report um, called the Misogyny in Music report that found that female musicians face endemic discrimination in the boys club of the music industry. Um, and again, you know, this is where all my kind of always keep worrying about this topic you know I'm worried about offending 
people who might be listening to this I'm worried about being seen as an ardent bra burning feminist but I just having reflected on this over the weekend feel that unless we start to have these conversations um, we are never going to be able to shift the dial on this so you know we, we, we've got to lean in and, and you know and, and start talking about it and keep talking about it. Yeah you're absolutely right and you know what this is a topic that if you ignore it 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 has serious serious repercussions not just for half of the population and not just from a moral point of view but it's nearly destroyed the CBI. Um, there's a big report out last week about how it's endemic in the Ministry of Defence um, you kind of are reading, like you say, reading reports all the time about how prevalent this seems to be. And, you know, I picked up a CIPD report over the weekend. It's six years old. And six years ago, the CIPD researchers were calling it an intractable problem. But from October, there's going to be a proactive duty on employers to prevent sexual harassment. There's kind of specifying it in employment law. And it's a little bit of a, a funny one because there's already an obligation to um regarding harassment in the workplace on on employers and i think i agree with the cipd that this law probably isn't going to be as effective as um as the government is maybe going to position it as being but that legal as well as the moral obligation to do the right thing is going to really come to the forefront we're going to hear lots lots and lots about it but what the cipd says and i do think i agree which i think we'll get into a little bit is that Yes, laws and regulations and rules and codes of conduct inside organisations are, are one thing, but this is a cultural issue when it comes to your organisational culture. And that's um, that's unusual because it tends to be reported as a big, bad, lone wolf, you know, these predatory men in, in organisations with these female victims and they're singled out. You know, you, I think about Harvey Weinstein as an obvious one, for example. And of course, you just heard about Christian Horner in um, Red Bull Racing recently. But actually, what um, what the CIPD is saying, and I think we see more, is that this is about the cultural fabric of your organisation and also about the wider societal culture that it sits within. Right. Well, this is it. I'm kind of inextricably linked, really, kind of society and the sexualization of females that were so prevalent in the 90s and I know that I'm going to share quite a personal story in a minute about something that happened to me which ties in entirely with um with what we're talking about today which is you know one of the reasons why I was a little reluctant to come to the table and talk about it because actually it's um thrown up some quite uncomfortable memories of um of some experiences that I had when I was um a junior starting off in my career which I don't know whether you want me to kind of share now yeah well and 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 again you know with 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 a great many years of distance between the event and now um and I've never I've never told this story actually I don't think I I can't remember even if I ever told anyone I certainly didn't tell anyone at work or report it or anything like that but I think with the benefit of years of hindsight again unless women are comfortable enough and empowered enough to actually be able to speak up we're never going to make a difference so I'm going to just share something that happened to me when I was very 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 junior um, working in my industry and it plays entirely to this whole idea of notions of imbalance of power when it comes to genders and also the culture that permitted 
this kind of activity to take place. Anyway, here goes. So a long time ago, we were out with some clients in central London and I was incredibly junior. I mean, I'm at the beginning of my career and we were with some senior clients and with some senior members of, of my team at work. And one by one, everyone started to peel off and um, I was left with the senior client. It was just me and the senior client on our own in the bar. And um, he announced that he wanted to come back to my place. And I told him that I lived with my boyfriend and so he wouldn't be able to come back to my place. But he was insistent that he did come back to my place and feeling utterly powerless and um worried about you know if I was going to end up ruining the the client agency relationship I reluctantly agreed we got in the cab he made a sexual advance towards me that I tried to reject as best I could and we got back to my flat and I said my boyfriend's in there he really is he's sleeping in there in, in the bedroom and then he just looked at me and he just went call me a cab like that and then I got on the phone I called him a cab and he left and that was that and I never said anything to anyone I don't think I even told my boyfriend and I just let it I just let it ride I just let it slide I just remained mute and silent and powerless um and yeah so you know and it's happened it's happened to a great deal of people that we know a great deal of women so that's my own personal story that I'm glad I had the courage to um to to talk about Thank you so much for sharing that. I know I know that wasn't easy and I know that you really wrangled over whether or not to tell it. I've it's it's funny, Lottie, because I've heard you tell that story once before to me. You've you've not told it many times. But just hearing you now, the rage that boils up in me. I'm really angry. Um, and what's made me really angry is the re what I heard this time listening to the story is this sense of complete powerlessness. You know, that you you couldn't even say to him, no, you can't come home with me because I don't want you to. Yeah. For fear of pissing him off, right? There had to be a valid reason, i.e. another man, that was going to be a good enough reason not to annoy him because he's an important client that holds some power, but for you to be able to diffuse the situation. And I think that happens a lot. In, um, in this kind of situation, whether actually it's in work or, or out of work. And then the, the way that, so look, the research into sexual harassment in the workplace is unequivocally says this is not about sex. Mm. This is it's about, about power. power. This is about power. And that story that you've just told is so completely illustrative of the power dynamics that were at play. So he was a, an older client, you were more junior in rank. He held the balance of power in terms of the commercial power. Um, and we see that, I think, a lot in client facing organisations. I actually did my um, dissertation research on the um, impact of it, how people feel working in client facing roles on engagement and their well-being. And it's really fascinating because it has such an overbearing impact on you. So that power structure and the way that at the end, even when you kind of had to prove that you couldn't. I mean, I don't know what would have happened if you didn't have a boyfriend. What would have happened? I don't know. You know that's yeah. that's what makes me rage. So yeah. I'm full of anger for it. Um, and, and do you know what? Yeah. And, and the, uh, the, the thing that upsets me, Lorna, is that, 
you would have thought that by the time we got to 2024, we'd be seeing a massive shift in terms of the next generation coming through, Generation X, right, Z, um, get your letters right, that, that it would be starting to, to, to tail off. But the stories that my 20-year-old daughter tells me mm. about levels of sexual harassment in schools, it's yeah. almost, it's, you know what, it's almost actually worse than... It, and I and I worry for her coming into the workplace if people yeah. aren't really beginning to be able to have these really difficult conversations and cultures dramatically shifting to make sure that it is absolutely unacceptable. Yeah, so I do think we can't talk about this without talking about the um the the concerning trends that we see in Gen Z or Gen Z as I'm told I need to call them by. No, do we? A, okay, fine. Down with the kids. But yeah, um, but I can hear my um, my late departed grandpa twitching at the idea of using Americanism. So I'm kind of <laughs> reluctant to do so. But um, I think that comes into play. And the fact that this generation is going to be coming into the workplace. But you know what? These stories are as old as time. Um, and I almost think I think our generation has almost become a little bit numb to it. Every single woman I know of around our age has a story similar to yours. And when they tell them to each other, they're angry on behalf of each other. When it happens to them, they almost play it down. I've worked in male dominated industries almost my entire career. And I have run out of stories of, um, you know, and it's really low level misogyny and sleaze. You kind of write it off. And actually, you know, even your your example I can always hear a voice in someone's head saying, well, you were OK. Nothing happened to you. Yeah, You're yeah. fine. The end yeah, of it, right? yeah. You kind of brush it off. You write it off. But, you know, I've worked for a male boss um, who would take female grads out for one to one dinners, comment on female employees appearances, hire his mates as suppliers. And then they'd lecture female employees on work nights out. And it was common, like people, the girls would say to each other, don't go near that one. He's gropey. And everyone knows knows this. Um, and I'm going to say it because I'm kind of done with worrying about whether or not I'm going to piss people off. This man was and is a HR director in a large organisation, you know, and we turn a blind eye to that kind of behaviour because it's low level, because it's just Bob being Bob. Right. But um, what tells me that this is about power more than sex from a personal experience is the only time in all of my career where I've ever had something like this taken seriously in relation to me was when I had the balance of power. So I, um, in my last proper job, as I call it, had responsibility for a global strategy around change management. And I had the ownership of a, um, a, consultant, a consulting relationship worth a couple of million pounds. And I was in New York um, meeting the team at the consultancy that were working on my behalf. And it's headed up by an, an older man who was a Brit and some um, younger women in their kind of, I would say, 20s. And they were great. They were a little naive. They were really enthusiastic. And the older man would make some off colour jokes occasionally or comments sometimes. For example, at one point he said, oh, we should just have um, one of the girls pop out of a cake for you as a bit of a launch. And I'm like, you see that I'm a woman too, right? I don't know how you think that's a funny thing to say in any context, but low level, what I would call low level misogyny that even I then wrote off as, oh, that's just 
what an idiot, what a, what a silly thing to say. Yeah. And one night we were all out for dinner and he'd had a bit to drink and he wouldn't leave me alone. It was really in my face. And I didn't even register it as kind of sleaze, really, because I'm so u- used to it. But the other male members of the consultancy that were working for me clocked it and they were mortified and I think also terrified. They took it so seriously. He was moved off the account. They had me in a meeting the next day. They could not have been more apologetic. They wanted to make sure I was okay. The very senior person from the consultancy came to see me to make sure that I was okay. And the only fucking difference, Lottie, is that I held the balance of power. This is is what I was going to say. And I don't want women to have to wait until they get into their 40s to feel that it's okay to reject advances. It's okay to say that things are not okay. And it disheartens me that we've got a new generation coming in who are going to have to wait 20 years before they're able to go this is not okay yeah yeah and I think as as you've proven you know I mean I still now today I still deal with men making silly off-color off-color comments not inappropriate things and you you laugh it off you brush it off you ignore it which of course doesn't help um, and you get to a level in your career where maybe you've got the balance of power and you can deal with it. Or maybe you've just become, you know, as I say, numb to it, that it, it brushes off your shoulders. Yeah. But that's not going to solve it. Well, that's it. And, I, you know, and I'm not buying this whole idea that we've got this entire generation of confused men who are not sure about the line between giving a compliment and something being sexually inappropriate. I mean, you know. Matthew Syed, the guy who I've literally mm-hmm. quoted, I think, in every single podcast, he's really let me down. In the Times this week, he's been bemoaning that there's been an inflation of the term sexual harassment to the point where, and I quote him, mere glances can now land people in trouble. No, no. It's, it's like, why Why has he got such a blind spot? You know, middle yeah. middle aged white dude yeah. not reading, not reading the room. Yeah. Yeah. And I am. Um, you see this a lot you see it a lot you know this well can I say anything anymore well you can't say the stuff that's sleazy no you know you can't take don't why are you taking a a junior female colleague for for dinner by by yourself what's what why are you doing that what's the reason you're doing that why are you making an off-color comment about someone's appearance for example but I think what is the nuance here and I think it's really important for organisations and for men to understand is that just play that balance um, litmus test out, that balance of power litmus test out. Right. Who has the balance of power here? Do you have influence over her career, her performance, objective outcomes, her bonus, her reputation? Because if you do, then it's not OK. It's not OK. And I think that's one of the big things that people really miss is that this is hundred percent about power Oh, it's really interesting because it just made me think you know it's not to say that office romances can't flourish it's not to say that you know when you're two juniors in work you can't have a little bit of flirtatious banter between you and maybe it leads to going on a date right I think that's exactly the crux of it it's not Mm. about sexual relationships it's not about sexual attraction it's not about saying that you can't have fun at work and flirt at work it's about making sure that you're totally cognizant of where that power dynamic lies and make sure you're not exploiting that power dynamic yeah and you know what 
I'm just going to come out and say it. This is the reason that organisations do not tackle it, because it is the more powerful men that are creating these situations. By the time they get to a position of power, they're there for a reason. They're a high performer. They're delivering something to the bottom line. There's a reputational risk. It costs a lot to replace them in terms of resource, time or money. So we back away from it. And I've been in a situation where I've been a boss and I've had a female member of my team come to me and say that a senior man has walked up behind her and massaged her on the shoulders and made a, a, a dodgy mm. comment. And I've taken it to the powers that be and they've said they've tried their best to brush it under the carpet. He's not been disciplined. He's not even been questioned. He's certainly not been fired. They stick around because you make excuses. And I suppose the point is you stop making excuses, but I'm also going to bring something else in here. It reminds me of, and I think it was actually Rudy Giuliani, who's now gone a little bit Trump, but he had some good ideas. He's gone more than a little bit Trump. He's gone, he's gone major <laughs> he's Trump. He's gone the full Trump. He's gone the full Trump. But at the risk of um, bringing that left field influence into, into the pod, he had a theory in the 90s in New York um, when he was mayor of New York. I swear, it's, and if it's not Rudy Giuliani. No, it is Rudy. No, you're right. It is, is Rudy Giuliani. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Flouting um, yeah. myself, the broken windows theory. His theory was that you deal with the low level crime, you deal with the low level misbehavior, and it stops the escalation of the high level misbehavior. And this is exactly the same principle in organizations. So, because it's cultural, if you've still got a male dominated workforce, if you've still got more men in positions of power, i.e., higher graded roles in the hierarchy, you use gendered language in the way that you talk about things through your job descriptions, your advertising, whatever it might be, there's a gender pay gap. All of those things are the breeding ground for sexual harassment in the workplace. The research actually says that steep hierarchies, patriarchal patronage and cultures of entitlement are those breeding grounds for sexual harassment. You have to keep on addressing those things. And, yeah, you're going to meet resistance because it's going to feel like you're coming on really hard on stuff that isn't very serious. But it's broken windows theory. You have to come down hard on that stuff to stop it escalating. Yeah, and, so you and you know what? Just made, just, just made me think as well. Obviously, there's so much talk about the EDI agenda. You know, I attend numerous conferences, some of which are entirely dedicated to the issue. And the topic of sexual harassment, I'm sure, should go hand in hand with the EDI agenda. And yet I cannot remember attending one single conference and listening to one single speaker who has ever talked about there's menopause, there's um, minority groups, there's um, every single possible definition of diversity and inclusion. But when does anyone actually stand up on stage and talk about this issue? Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's just it's literally as we're doing this pod, it's just suddenly occurred to me yeah. that there, we, we, we literally are not, we're just not talking about it enough. And as such, it's still just that uncomfortable truth it's uncomfortable silence it's just sort of sitting beneath all of this yeah yeah and I think it comes back to what you were saying at the beginning of the pod Lottie which is it's uncomfortable people who have the experiences to share worry about how yeah. they're going to be perceived when they share them I'm worried that I've been too strident in inverted commas. commas. I'm f this whole topic makes me so angry because it is such an extra level of emotional noise that women have to bring into the workplace mm -hmm. that they, if they were using their brains and resources and talents, not worrying about that stuff, not having to deal with that stuff. Think about the talent and brilliance that you could unleash. Yeah. It makes my 
piss boil, quite frankly. Um, there's a phrase. It's a nice thought for a Monday morning, in, darling. Um, <laughs> none of this is a nice thought for a Monday morning. No, none of it's a nice thought for a Monday morning. No. No, we don't talk about it because we don't want to be seen as being difficult. What's or we don't want to be seen as like even that label of you know, the ardent bra, bra burning feminist. You know, I'm more I'm mortified that people are going to be listening to this and thinking that I'm someone I'm not. I mean, it's you know, it's but but I just yeah wholeheartedly believe that unless we start to have the debates, the headlines are just going to keep on rolling. Um, and so, yeah, we've, we've just we've put it out there. But, you know, what can we I mean, clearly you and I can't solve this problem. The only thing that we can do is to begin the conversation and start to kind of get it, get it kind of out there. I feel that's kind of all we can do, really, at the moment. This is our this is our little bit um, that we can do to help um, open up some really honest um, conversations. Yeah, I mean, you said at the beginning, one of our values is is courage courageousness um and i think if we can at least have the courageous conversations say this is a topic we're not talking about makes me uncomfortable here's how i feel about it here's my experience it's on the table do with it what you will um it will inevitably i suspect make some people think oh for god's sake there we go again mm. or um make them angry i don't know i actually know what but i don't know we're assuming so let's put it out there yeah let's see what yeah. happens there are no big fixes but i tell you now it's cultural well and this it's is it yeah with your culture really interestingly you and i had a meeting the other week with a um a ceo of an organization who said that culture and compliance were in the same function in their business and i think um and they were in financial services who've had their own fair share of um, this kind of scandal in, in that mm. industry. And I think if, if a business puts this topic under the banner of compliance and rules, you are not going to solve it. You have to solve it by looking at all of those little elements throughout the ecosystem of your culture that are putting the balance of power and therefore the opportunity for this to happen in the hands of men versus women. Yeah, and that's it. You know, that that's what I mean. That's what we're trying to do with all the work that we do. Honestly, it's just saying that actually, you know, culture is nebulous and messy, and you've got to you've got to be honest. You've got to lift the lid. You've got to have those really difficult conversations. You know, cult, culture isn't simply the values on on the wall that you're all kind of you know kumbayaing around. Actually, culture yeah. is an entire ecosystem of systems and processes and beliefs and values and behaviours. And yeah. what we're imploring is that organisations do the right thing, are brave, are courageous and lift the lid on yeah. their culture to see what's genuinely underneath and then take the actions needed to address yeah. those. And I think that's what that's what real culture work is, right? You you lift the lid on the messy stuff and you fix it small part by small part. Yeah. And it's easy to look at those small parts and go, oh, that's just something small that doesn't need addressing. But you address the small parts, they will add up and you will shift your culture. Guarantee. OK, well done. Brave us. <sighs> Deep breath in it. How are you feeling? Yeah, you still right. with me? Yeah, I guess so. I might have the vulnerability hangover, not going to lie, once this one goes out. I think my vulnerability hangover might have already started. I'm completely frank with you. You know, have to go and have a lie down. It starts on the night out already. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Happy Monday. Happy Monday, darling. I'll see you soon. All and, right. Um, go forth and smash the patriarchy. <laughs> Ish. <laughs> I love. Bye. <laughs>